You're listening to the New Hope Church Podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. My name's Zach. I'm a pastor here at New Hope. Um, I want to start off by asking you guys a quick question. When you think about worship to God, when you think about how we worship God, what do you think about? Throw it at me. Prayer? Yeah. Singing? Yeah. Praise? Yes. Thankfulness? Yes. What is that? Learning. Bingo. Yep. Reciting scripture? Yeah. Awesome. Yes. All forms of worship. Very good. Correct. 100%. Um, here's my definition of worship. I stole it. Um, reason I stole it is because I can't do better. Uh, there's this podcast called The Theological Equipping Class. It's out of McKinney, Texas at the Parkway Church. Um, and one of their pastors just absolutely nailed it on his definition. Um, and so since I can't do better, you know, that's one reason. The other reason I'm cool with stealing it is because he said he stole part of his definition from D.A. Carson. And so since we're all just borrowing from each other, I figured, hey, why not? So I'm going to read that for you. It goes like this. It says, worship is our proper response to God for all he is and all he does. It is a continual response of adoration and action manifested both in the lives of individual believers and in the corporate life of the local church. Good stuff. Covers all the bases, right? Um, if you notice at the end, it says in the lives of indiv individual believers and in the life of the corporate church, we're going to be talking about the life of the individual believer today. Next week, Jason will be talking about evangelism and discipleship. I got it wrong the first time. Evangelism and discipleship out in the world. So worshiping out in the world. And Randy, the next week, is going to be talking about corporate worship, or I guess two weeks after that, corporate worship here in the church service as the body of Christ. What that looks like. Um, and so those are kind of the, the where's, like where do we worship? Um, but I want to talk about the, the why, when, and the how of worship. So why do we worship God? Well, think about everything God does for us. We worship God because of all he is and all he does, right? So everything we have in life comes from God. The breath in your lungs right now is a gift from God. The fact that you woke up this morning is a gift from God. Your loved ones are a gift from God, your friends, your family, the belongings you have, your job, your possessions. This week at Stars, I was talking about the fact that like the way our planet sits in the solar system, we're just far enough from the sun that we don't burn up. We're just uh, close enough that we don't freeze. We're just close enough to Jupiter's gravitational pull that it protects us. 
right? That all the meteors that come our way, right? It sucks those up and it hits them. But if Jupiter were too big, right? Then it would probably swallow us and and we would get crushed by it or we'd drift off into space because it kind of keeps us where we need to be. You see, like when we look at the, the way the planets even sit in our solar system, everything is designed to protect us, to love us. God is for us in so many ways. But notice, that's not the only reason we worship Him. What did it say? We worship Him. It's the proper response for all He is and all He does. So before he ever does anything, he is worthy of worship. If we read Psalm 29, 1 through 2, it says, Ascribe, sorry, different translation. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. He just is deserving of worship. He is the only being worthy of worship. It's who he is. Before he ever raises a finger, before he ever does a thing, he is God, and that's enough reason to worship him. But on top of that, he does so much for us. Okay, well, that's cool. We've talked about the, the why. That's great. But what about the, uh, the when and the how, right? Well, the when and the how are kind of connected, okay? Um, I like to think about the Lord's Prayer. You guys know the Lord's Prayer? Yeah? Let's do it. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Stop there. It's all we needed. The rest of it's really good. You should know it. If you don't, please learn it. But we need that part. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants everything on earth to be as things are in heaven. They are to reflect one another, right? So doesn't that mean that worship on earth should look like what worship looks like in heaven? So what does worship look like in heaven? Some people read Revelations very literally. And we grow up with things like, tell me if this sounds familiar. In heaven, we're going to lay flat on our faces, bowing before God day in and day out, worshiping and singing to Him 24 hours a day, seven days a week, forever. Sound familiar? Anybody heard that? Boring. Boring. Sounds boring. I don't believe it, okay? I think that is figurative language. I do not believe that that is accurate. And here's why. It's a terrible waste of resources. And God is not wasteful. God made us very special. He made us each with individual talents. He gave us each individual hobbies, likes, dislikes, personalities, He's made us special to all fit into the body of Christ in different ways so we can honor Him in different ways. So why would we waste all that and just lay on our faces forever singing? That sounds silly. And I can back it up. Question, is Jesus perfect? Yes. Did Jesus always fulfill the will of God? So if Jesus always fulfilled the will of God, 
and worship in heaven means laying flat on your face and singing forever, why didn't Jesus spend every waking hour of his existence flat on his face singing? Jesus screwed up. Or we're thinking about it backwards. We shouldn't assume we know what worship looks like in heaven because we read one verse literally and then turn that into, that's what it looks like, now we have to do that. We should look at Jesus and say, you are the perfect representation of heaven on earth. So what did your life look like? And what did worship look like in your life, Jesus? What did Jesus do? How did he worship? What were the things that he did when he worshiped? Okay, well... He prayed. He performed miracles. He, uh, he healed the sick. He spent time with people that society looked down on and hated. He went to the temple. He read scripture. He sang psalms, right? He did all that stuff. But Jesus' worship had to be continual because we're all called to continual worship. When we read our Bibles, we see things like pray ceaselessly, pray unending, be in constant worship, right? And if we go by our definition, it's got to be constant. Well, wait, how did Jesus worship constantly? You can't hold a conversation and be praying, right? I, I can't I can't just be at temple every single day. I can't just be at church every hour of every day. I just can't be singing every hour of every day. I can't be reading my Bible every hour of every day. You see what I'm saying here? All the things we classically call worship kind of pull you away from the mundane aspects of life. You have to kind of retreat to go do those things or be very intentional with that time. But it can't be constant. So how did Jesus worship continually if he wasn't doing those things 24 hours a day? Well, we're beings made for worship. It's what we're designed for. It's, it's what we're meant to do. And so if we read that definition, it says worship is the proper response to God for who he is and all he does. If you can have a proper response, that means you can have an improper response. But it's got to be continual. We've got to be doing it all the time. Well, wait, so is that saying everything is either a proper or improper response to God? You can sum up that statement by this. Everything we do is to be worshipped. Everything. Everything we do is to be worshipped. That's what we're called to do. We're to be beings of worship. Everything we do, every thought, every action, worship. Because guess what? If it's not worship, it's idolatry. That's a sin. We're not supposed to do that. That's like raising the bar, right? That's like every action, every thought in your life is either for God or for your neighbor in the worship of God, or it's for you, for selfish reasons, which is idolatry, which is sin. Everything you do is either loving God and neighbor, or it's sin. Dang. Here's, a, here's kind of what I mean. 
When you wash your car, that can be worship. When, uh, when you cook dinner, that's worship. Can be. When you wake up in the morning, that can be worship. When you go to sleep at night, when you eat your meal for the day, that can be worship. You pick the kids up from school, you go get your prescription filled, you go to the bathroom, have sex with your spouse, clip your toenails, cleaning the gutters, folding laundry, worship. It can all be worship. And here's what I mean by this, okay? So I have this car that I really like. It's a beautiful orange car it's sitting on the parking lot right now. But I really like that I get to have it. God gave me a good job. He gave me enough money that I can afford to have some cool toys in my life. And so I wanted that toy, and so I got it. And if I recognize that God has given me the means by which to have nice things, well, then I ought to take care of them. So I should get the oil changed on that thing. I should clean it up. I should get it washed. I should make sure the tires are okay. I should keep it in good condition because at the end of the day, it's not really mine. It's God's because everything is really God's. Or I can go... I want to be the coolest, fastest kid on the block. I want people to hear this car from six blocks away and remember me as I rumble through the streets. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can make it about me. That's idolatry. When you're folding laundry, you can say, I'm folding this laundry because, man, I just want my kids to, like, look good for school. I want to make sure everything's, like, pressed and nice and make sure there's no holes in any of these clothes. I want to make sure my kids are presentable when I send them out. Or you can say, wow, oh, man, I got to I got to fold these these clothes cuz this house is a little messy and I got people coming over in 3 hours and when Marge from up the street gets over here and then sees my house, she's going to think that I don't have this together at all. I got to make sure I look like my life's in order so people don't think that I'm slacking. I need to look better. Now, it's about you. That's idolatry. When you wake up in the morning, you can wake up and say, God, thank you for this day. I'm going to go do something with it. I'm going to get up on time, and I'm going to go figure out what I'm going to do today, and I'm going to make it all useful. Or I can lay in bed all day and do absolutely nothing and make it all about me, and that's idolatry. Now, given you could lay in bed because you need rest, and you're stewarding your body, that God has given you, and now it's worship. You see, like, everything you do is either worship or idolatry. Everything. All the time. You can either make it about God and neighbor, or you can make it about loving yourself. If you want a lens through which to see all this, here's maybe a better way of putting it. It's not about what you're doing. It's about why you're doing what you're doing. Everything is about why you're doing it. It's about adoration of God as well as action, right? Both. You know, even worship can become about me. If I, if I look at the church and I think, man, like, I got to be in a certain type of building we got to sing this many hymns. They better be hymns. They better not be that contemporary crap, you know? Uh, you know, like, I, I, need, I need at least three archways. I need the cross to be so-so. I need the floor to be so-so. I need the wallpaper to be so-so. I can make it all about how I need it so I can appropriately worship. Or I can say, everything I do is worship to God, and it is all equally important. 
and I will adore him through those actions, and I will serve him through those actions, and I will serve my neighbors, and I will love them, and I will make it about other people and God and not myself. Everything. Everything can be worship. If you want a good book to read about this, it's like 100 pages. You can knock it out in a few hours if you just sit down and apply yourself to it. It's The Practice of the Presence of God. By, uh, it's about Brother Lawrence. I don't remember who wrote it. Um, but Brother Lawrence is a Carmelite monk. He's a Catholic monk. Take notes. This is probably one of the few times I'm ever going to tell you to go buy Catholic literature. But it's a good book. It's good stuff. Brother Lawrence is awesome. And when you look at the way he treats life, when you look at the way he views life, he sees everything as an opportunity to serve God and neighbor. Now, I think at times Brother Lawrence takes it a little far. Like, there's one part where he's flipping a pancake, and with each flip of the pancake, he's like, and now I devote this to, to God, and yes, and now I devote this to God. And it's like, whoa, let's step it back just a hair, dude. We're making this a little weird. Like, we don't take a step out the door in the morning and we're like, and now I dedicate this step to you because you've given me the feet and this breath with the lungs that you've blessed me, Lord. Like, you can turn it into a weird little ritual and then you're missing the point again. Just love God and love your neighbor with everything you do. That's what it's about. Brother Lawrence goes on a trip to go pick up some... Uh, to go pick up some beer from England, I think it is, on a ship. And he's like, yeah, it wasn't the greatest time, but I was glad God gave me the opportunity to serve. And it's like, that's it. That's the thing. Like, take every moment and turn it into a form of worship for God or your neighbor. Don't complain. Don't make it about you. Make it about them. Consider yourself as less than others. So here's the deal. We have raised the bar as high as we can possibly raise the bar. That now you're all, you all should be aware that you are either constantly worshiping God or constantly sinning. It's one of the two, right? So we're all kind of screw-ups. I get that. That's good. But the question is, how do we do this then? How do we possibly do this? This is so hard. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. You can't. I can't. Nothing we can do that is good is of ourselves. Nothing. We just, we just put out selfishness and bad vibes into the world. That's all we do. Of ourselves. But when we read uh, First Chronicles, I said First Corinthians, First Service. First Chronicles 29.14, it says this, But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you? Everything we have has come from you, and we give you only what you first gave us. Even the ability to worship comes from God. The ability to worship God, the ability to want to do good, to want to make things about God and your neighbors rather than about yourself, that comes from God. And guess what? If you're sitting here right now and you're going, wow, I haven't been doing a good job of that, but I think I would like to start doing that. That isn't your thought either. That's from God. It's all from the Holy Spirit. Every prompting to do good comes from God. And so we can't just will this into existence. We have to go to God and we have to pray and say, Lord, please 
help me set aside myself and help me make everything about you and the people around me. Help me to make sure that I come last in everything, but everyone else around me is considered to be greater than myself, Lord. Help me to do that in everything I do. And Lord, let me take care of myself, not because I love me, but because I love you and I love what you've given me and what you've blessed me with. That even when I'm taking care of me, it's not about me. It's about being better to serve you and to serve the people around me. This is a whole shift of how we think about the world. I mean, this is, this is so different than anything that comes naturally to us. And so what I want you to know is there is no big idea today. There is no like little summary slide that's going to tie this all up neatly and nicely. Um, what I have for you is the definition of worship that we read at the beginning. Worship is our proper response to God for all he is and all he does. It's a continual response of adoration and action manifested both in the lives of individual believers and in the corporate life of the local church. And here's what I want you to do. Jan, yeah, thank you. Um, write that down. Right now. Or take out your phone and take a picture. And if you don't do it, I'll call you out from the stage. So actually do it. Get the pencil and write it down. Or your phone, I see hands that aren't moving. Like, seriously, write it down. Here's why this is important. is because we have to commit this to heart. We don't make this a weird little mantra. We don't make it another ritual. We don't make it some other churchy thing, some other religious thing. We learn this because this has to be the new lens through which we see life. We have to be aware of this because this becomes the filter through which every action we make, every thought we have, has to process. This is what we're called to as beings of worship. God has designed us to be this. And so memorize this. Commit this to memory. Feel it. Know it. Believe it. Run everything you do through this. Don't make it weird. Don't make it a ritual. Just make it your life. Just make it who you are. I'm just the kind of person that loves God and loves my neighbors. That's who we got to be. I mess up at it daily, but that's who we got to be. Pray about that. And here's the deal. You're not going to do this perfectly. You're not going to. There's one other thing I really love about Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence screws up several times throughout the book, right? And when he does, do you know what he does? He doesn't get down on himself. He doesn't, he doesn't dwell on his sin. He doesn't make a big thing of it. He goes to God and says, Lord, I messed up. Please forgive me. But you know, we, we really shouldn't be surprised that this happened because this is just kind of what I do when I do things. I mess things up. So I'm going to ask you, please go with me and please make me better because when I do things of my own accord, I will fail every time. But with you, I can succeed. And then he gets over it and he moves on. That's it. What if that's how we thought about things? What if we didn't go into some deep, dark depression every time we have a sin we're struggling with, but we looked at it and said, God, help me. I know you will. Moving on. That's beautiful. So what I ask is that you will pray to God, that you will ask to be this kind of person. And if you don't have it on your heart right now, that you want to be that kind of person, then you need to ask God to give you the Holy Spirit to make you that kind of person, to make you want to be that kind of person. Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. 
If you would, do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform. We would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.